Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. And I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. Today on Autism Answers, we got some really interesting stuff. Stay with it. Hang in there. Uh, We might touch on some sensitive subjects, but you know, the world of autism is full of people talking about the word tragedy, using the word tragedy everywhere. So today, I want to hit on that a little bit. I want to sort of bring up the question, because remember, you get the answer to the question you ask. I want to bring up the the question, is autism the tragedy? I think maybe we should stop blinding ourselves and look at the world with a bigger idea of what that word belongs to. So um, remember, 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 you got to hang into the very end because if it gets a little confusing, I promise, I promise, I promise, I will put it all together at the very end by telling you a story from the road. And before that, we'll have OK, 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 the great guest giveaway. Okay, so today's guest, I've known for a very long time. Well, I guess it depends on your definition of the word very. I met her in the 90s, when, early 90s, when I was traveling around North America performing in prisons with all of my children. To tell you the truth, I just was trying to figure out a way to uh, have, a, have a career raise kids and get them out of the school system all at the same time. (laughs) So instead I took them into the prison system. Okay, maybe I had some strange ideas about what was was good and what wasn't. But it actually turned into an an extremely wonderful, life-changing experience for us all. The kids, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the world of media, movies and stuff, sometimes romanticize the idea of being in prison. And young teenagers and preteens can think that that would be really cool to be a tough person who was in prison, maybe, uh, you know, getting connected or writing a book or something. So we certainly, by putting the real face of prisons on their life experience, we erased any of that kind of romanticism and made it real while at the same time doing something good. So it was, a, it was an interesting time. I was still in the middle of raising the kids. And while I was doing this tour, I was told there was a firecracker of a lady in Houston, Texas, and that I ought to meet her and that she would probably be instrumental in, you know, helping me get connected, changing my life, be a wonderful friend. And all of those things turned out to be true. I later finished the tour, and she said to me, why don't you come down and and record a song for me? I think it would be awesome. And I ended up meeting people, moving to Texas, leaving Canada, moving to Texas. It was good timing in my life for that to happen. So she was very instrumental. At one point, I was so broke, I was looking for somewhere to live. I, I'm just trying to give you a sense of this woman before I introduce her. So I, I'm so broke. I'm, you know, we're try, I'm trying to figure out how to do this. I don't really have a job yet, and I'm trying to get my status straightened out. And I, I find a, a house that I basically sweet-talked the landlord into letting us move into because I didn't have any money for another couple of weeks. And it turns out it's down the street from her. You know, kismet. You know when you're supposed to be connected to someone, the universe just puts you there. And she comes over and goes to her parents, gets a bunch of food and brings meat. And, and so she's that lady. She's that lady that will just do it, make it happen, introduce you, and survive and conquer every adversity that comes her way. Her name is Sandy Johnson. She created a children's 
show and just children's stories and songs and stuff. And she invited me to be a part of that, which was really fun. I remember at one point she gave me this role and she said, you know, just do this Bonnie role. And I said, I don't know a Scottish accent. Oh, you can do it. You can do it. I've seen you. You're very talented. Another time she's asking me if I can, you know, do this cartooning. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And she goes, I've seen you doodling. You can do it. So she, she's a you can, I can, we can kind of gal. Uh, very, very much like the heart of Texas personality. Um, and in her world, the story that exists, the story that exists is what I would call a tragedy. So I want to talk to her a little bit, and I also want to share the song that she wrote, and I'll, I'll put that in our pl- in our break time, because it talks about lightning hitting twice, and I think that's exactly what we're going to hear about. So Sandy, thank you, thank you for being willing to talk to us today. Hello there. Hi. How are you doing? Are you holding up? Are you willing to to traverse the waters of this? Because it's not um it's not a really easy story to tell. Yeah, that's that is true. But as I've found that there are a lot uh, of people going through tragedies today, and uh, I've met a lot of them uh, in the last four years, and uh, it's it's a hard one, and it's it happens to be in, in my tragedy about murder, an unsolved murder. Yes, tell, tell tell the people, they don't know you, and I tried not to introduce too many things about you so you could tell your story. Let me uh, set you up a little bit. When I last uh, saw Sandy, she had, uh, she had a beautiful, beautiful son, Hank, who was a lot of fun and contributed to the shows we were doing. I moved on and went to different states and did all kinds of things, and we stayed in touch here and there uh, on the Internet. Uh, Hank was uh, an interesting, different, um, and talented young man. And I say different because he was, you know, not so inclined to just be like all the other guys in the gang. He, he tended to sort of walk his own own path. And that was the last time that I saw Hank, a long time ago, and it was before he had children. So tell a little bit about Hank and what happened. Well, uh, he was 20 years in in the show and he started out as a puppeteer and you know worked his way uh, through to being an actor and also part contributor of the stories and songs and and things like that and as he had his uh, children and my daughter had her children then the children were in the shows the puppet shows as well so we were pretty happy (laughs) And we had 65 shows a year. I mean, not too bad for a little puppet show. And uh, we had a crew of eight, and we would go uh, malls and festivals. And, uh, uh, you know, we we really went to birthday parties hundreds of miles out from the Houston area. And uh, it was very fulfilling, and and we were just having a ball. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Well, uh, and then... Well, first, uh, before you get to that, uh, to explain about Hank's children. Mm -hmm. Yes, and then he had a little uh, boy, 
and Brandon. He is so cute, and he was he was in the show too. And then he had a little girl, uh, Lily, and she was also in the show. And you know, just all those wonderful things about grandchildren. You can go on and on with your photos and everything. <laughs> and I love that you're not doing exactly what most people do, which is bring up diagnosis. So one of Hank's children, and, and also that you put somebody with a label in your show, because that's what I did too. I was always going, oh, you can get on stage, you'll be fine, we'll use the fact that you're different. <laughs> so, you know, that's what you do, right? So yeah. um, is it Brandon <laughs> that has the diagnosis? Yes. And uh And I did put him in the show, and he did help. Of course, he did get really excited, you know, (laughs) as the show progressed, and we got excited, and he got more. I saw him one time. I was turned around with the microphone, and here he comes across the stage uh, doing a jump. (laughs) I turned around and saw him, and I was like, oh, my God. Did you see that? <laughs> you know, and so I mean, he was—he uh, just went uh, crazy with the rest of us, you know. As as we kind of progressed with the shows, and he got into costuming and everything. Just to say and his di- his diagnosis is is autism. Mhm. Mhm. So listen to you. You're so awesome. You're just talking about, you know, and, and I'm saying that, Sandy, not because I don't think you should talk this way, I do, but because most of the time when someone has a label of autism in the house, they don't talk about, yeah, crazy with the rest of us, you know, just having a great time. <laughs> now, maybe it's because you and I are a little out there, you know. <laughs> You're doing their puppet show and going to the libraries and stuff and birthday parties, and I was in prison. So, you know, I can see where we might be different. But... <laughs> But it's beautiful that you're just saying, yeah, 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 and you know, and you did a jump, and then you work it into the show, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's a family affair. <laughs> yeah, so you know, but it, that's that's the whole thing, you know, is uh, this show is for kids, all kids, and you know, there's not just a certain type of child, you know, that uh, you have. Each and every child is different. And he is definitely different. <laughs> <laughs> a little more different. A little a capital D. We're just little D's. <laughs> well, like my dad said today, and he's 86, he said, boy, we sure are blessed to have Brandon in our lives. And, you know, that's really true. I suppose that's even more true since Hank died. So talk about Hank for a minute. What happened? Yeah, well, Hank was uh, working uh, during the week, working at the shows on the weekend. He was a real worker and um, working with, uh, you know, some job where they do welding and stuff like that, and they sent him out of town. And uh, the men came in to rob him uh that's what happened, and then they beat him, and he laid in the hospital for 11 days, and and we had to take him off life support. And then I had to go straight home and tell Brandon, because from then on it was just going to be me and Brandon. I, I didn't really realize that 
Brandon didn't really realize that when I got there, you know, the hardest thing I had to do was to just break this little boy's heart in two, you know, to say that your daddy's, because he always, Hank always told him, I'll be back at a certain time. And if I needed to know when Hank was going to be back, I'd say, Brandon, when is Hank going to be back? He'd say Thursday at 9 o'clock at night. I mean, he knew. I mean, he was so precise with exactly when Hank said he was coming at a certain time. He remembered that he's very smart. And when I had to tell him that his daddy didn't make it, you know, and most of the time Brandon's uh, disability will not allow him to show a lot of uh, emotion, but the emotion poured out of him, and he was broken. I'm sorry. He was a broken little boy. Before we continue to talk, um, this is Sandy Johnson. She's of the Dorp Express, a children's show. It's delightful. They'll be getting it back on its feet soon. She's talking from the heart about um, the journey of lightning hitting twice for this grandson of hers and and the heartache of losing her son to murder. Um, We are a new spin on autism, Answers. I'm Lynette Louisa, story teacher host. And make sure you hang out to the very end for... Stories from the road. And okay, okay, the great guest giveaway. Um, Before I continue with Sandy, I want to play a little bit of music that she's written. And the reason I'm using the term lightning hits twice is because she's put it in the song. And I want you to notice, because we left you on such a down, sad, horrible story note, I want you to hear the joy in this. When lightning strikes twice, they still have a chance To do the victory dance Dance on, dance on, dance on special kids To help change your destiny, pray for the Actually, family. the original title was uh, Lightning Strikes Twice Can you see it? Feel the love special kids give That was, um, as you noticed, I hope, uh, the sound of possible joy in the future. So, Sandy, I, I could talk to you forever about this. I'm sure there is so much that you can share about how you felt. I'm not sure I'm ready to, to talk about Hank Tap, although, I, I mean, isn't that awful to say he's your son, and yet I feel like I'm skirting it. Um, but more than that, I, I really want to make sure we give people some of what has happened for you and some of the strengths that you found, because that's what we have to do is give people something to hang on to. And I'm sure there were people that did that for you as you went through this. So Hank was murdered, clear and simple. You come home from the hospital after having to take him off life support. You tell this little boy that has autism, and most people call that the tragedy of his life, and now he also has has his dad's been murdered. He falls apart. What then? What did you do? How how did you move forward into the future? Well, 
it was really hard because I was I was broken too, but he started acting out right off and uh it was his way of expression, you know, of his emotions. And you know, he just he tore up the bathroom, you know, he just he was coming unglued at the seams and uh, so it intensified for the next two years that, uh, you know, until I finally understood, you know, him and and that, you know, he could pass through this, you know, and that we would have to do it together. And I told him, you know, over and over, I said, I am here I'm not leaving you. I no matter what you do, you know, that I am going to be with you and we'll get through this and we'll work it out. That's amazing, Sandy. Where was Lily? Well, Lily was with her mom and uh Carrie, oh, you know, and they had she was dealing with Lily and uh you know, with Lily and and the, you know, she had the emotions and stuff of the crying every night and the, you know, where's my daddy, where's my daddy, you know, and, and all of that, you know, just the regular grieving process. But, uh, you know, or Brandon, Brandon's went on the inside and then they would just come out in a force. Then they would go back in, you know, like he took my whole sink apart, and then I was, I was like, okay, where are the parts? And then he said, I think they may be in the trash. Well, the may be in the trash, well, really was in the trash, and they were already gone. <laughs> so, you know, I had, and all this was just happening, and then the back door was. You know, the locks were all taken off, and then he would stick things down the sink to stop them up, and, you know, just one thing after another, you know, just, I mean, on a daily basis. You know, so I'm trying to fix all this stuff, you know, and I make him help me do it. You know, okay, you broke it, now let's fix it, you know, and so... You know, that that was a long way of doing that. But then when he went to school, he had problems. You know, the, Sandy, the thing is that, because we're talking about Brandon, and, of course, I mean, it could go and go and go. But what the, what the people aren't aware of, and I want to bring into their awareness, that during all of this, while you're doing all of this, you're also trying to deal with the subterfuge and the problems that were surrounding the court case. Yes. So give them a sense of that. Like, I mean, the hugeness of what you were coping with was, it's just mind-boggling. Yes, and and then, uh, uh, you know, there was no one arrested uh, for Hank's murder, and it goes unsolved, unsolved, unsolved. And I can see this mounting and mounting, you know, in me and the whole family, you know. And then... We find out later that 
someone was arrested for stealing Hank's guitars, but they only got six days in jail. And then they exhumed him from the grave, and then we're, you know, we're standing there. They're bringing Hank up out of the grave, oh. and, you know, it's, and the Texas Rangers are there. Uh, I've already been in touch with the FBI, uh, with the parents of murdered children, Houston Crime Stoppers, Mothers for Unsolved Murders. Uh, I mean, his friends, Hank's friends are there. Uh, they're in outrage against the way they're doing this. and They tried to keep me away from there. The police stopped me, but I just busted through them and said, get out of my way. Yeah, I believe you did, honey. <laughs> yeah, I did. And then uh, they just let me go. And then uh, they were yelling at me from uh, my son's grave, not to oh take pictures, God. but I did. Okay. And uh, so we went through that. And then it was a year later, they finally tell me that the uh, blood that was under his fingernails, of which the police did not uh, take before he was buried, that was the problem. And uh, I kept telling them in the hospital he had blood under his fingernails from a murder victim, and they did not take it. Uh, They totally messed up the scene and everything, they kept blaming each other and pointing the finger at the other law enforcement officer and saying, um, you know, they messed up. I'm sorry. You know, so I decided to sue the uh, hotel and and the murder suspects, Uh, and I only had uh, two years to do it, so one day before the two years was up, I filed, uh, had my attorney file a lawsuit. Uh, That went on TV. There was a lot of television coverage and everything. And it was, it was mad for a while there. And every time I, I had to go uh, to be on television about this and get the exposure out there about what's happened to Hank. And, of course, Brandon is, you know, he's still very upset. But then a year after that, which is uh, almost four years now, and just a few months ago, we finally got to trial. And uh, one of the guys, uh, one of the murder suspects, was found uh, guilty in civil trial. And he was, uh, this Trey Thompson was found guilty for beating and causing Hank's death and also stealing his guitars and selling them for his own means. And they awarded us $8.6 million. And then the hotel has to come up with the money and everything. So I come home. Well, First of all, before I left to go to court, Brandon said, you know what this is, don't you? And I said, no. What is it, Brandon? And he said, you've never done this before. 
And I said, what? And he said, you've never left me overnight before. And I said, I will be back. I will be calling you when I get there, and I will come back. Aww. Yeah, he was afraid. He oh, was that so makes afraid. And then I called him from up there, and I said, uh, I'm okay. I'm here. And he goes, oh, Mimi, oh, hi. And he's playing his game. You know. <laughs> yeah, you're all worried about his heart, and he's like, "Oh, I, I'm over it." Yeah, <laughs> that's like and such a barren gift. You know, because I bought him a brand new game, and he's just you know zapping through it because he he zips right through it. And uh, I'm like, "Okay, I just thought I'd call and tell you I'm all right." Okay. <laughs> so, you know, when I and came then you home, said that after the court case, that mm-hmm. once that that had finally come to be some kind of closure for you guys. That you saw a difference in his behavior. Yes, I did. It, it was it was about two weeks after the court, and I told him because you know I, I always tell him the truth, and I told him you know what had happened and that they found this man guilty, but you know they wouldn't be sending him to jail because you can't in civil court, but the jurors saw through him, and they wanted to punish him with this large amount of money, which I said, you know, that $2.4 million uh, goes to you and your sister. And he put his head down, and I was like, does that make you sad? And he said, yes. And I said, why? And he said, well, that's not going to bring my dad back. Ah, the reality. I was like, no, it's not. No, death doesn't go away. No, but he knew, you know. He knew, even with all of this, you know, that was going on. And then two weeks later, one week goes by. Nothing. He's being good. (laughs) You're holding your breath. (laughs) I know. And I called my daughter and I said, it's been two weeks. (laughs) Don't say it out loud, but. A thing. You know, and then he did a couple of things, little things, you know. And I'm like, you know, I can live with the little things. (laughs) And, you know, but I have zero tolerance for these other things, but I said, you've been really, really good, you know, I said, you've been exceptional, and I, you know, and then I I started showing him more affection, and he began to receive it, you know, where he was kind of standoffish before, but that someone cared enough about his dad, you know, because of school, you know, the kids threw him in the bushes, you know, they pulled his backpack, they started fights with him, they threw the basketball in his face, broke his glasses right off his face, you know, and so he just started to live life. That's so beautiful. You know, 
You must have also, though. It's that whole we become one human being in a family. We're all kind of moving together. And, you know, some that big change must have at least given you a chance to relax enough for him to feel you relaxed. You know, it all becomes one thing. You can't, can't even tell when where the change will happen, but when stress goes away like that, it's an opportunity to, to find each other. It's really amazing to me that you were so tenacious that you went, okay, fine, I'll do it in civil court then. And and you're my hero, Sandy, for this, because I didn't have this kind of courage when my brother was murdered. I mean, I just, that you just never let go like that and insisted on some kind of justice. And it's going well, to benefit it was your hard. Yeah, it was hard to see this man in court and, you know, which he confessed quite a few people in town and um, to see him and really he was a table length away from me oh yeah and you know it it was hard and Carrie too Carrie was sitting there and you know they don't know who Carrie is uh, Carrie is Lily's mother okay and it was and Hank's wife, and it was so hard for me to sit there while this man is staring down at Carrie. <laughs> you know, I'm not oh. liking that at all. Of course. And I, so, what can people do for you now? I mean, you've really done the journey already. You've taken the bull by the lines. You've changed everything. But now there's no real battle to fight, and yet. You know, like I said, that doesn't go away. You still, you have a, a life moving forward. Um, well, that's right, and I'm I'm living life with Brandon, and we're taking care of my dad, uh, who's 86, and you know we're we're doing the things we have to do. Uh, but what can we do? So I, I want to put a call to action out to everybody who's listening. Is you know, do you have a favorite cause now? Something that yes, you want to ask people to do for you? Yeah, because Sandy, you deserve some help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a petition out in, uh, in change dot org to uh, stop and remove John Pascal, the district attorney from uh, Hank Johnson's murder case. Uh, and there are lots and lots of reasons uh, to do this. Number one, uh, his brother-in-law is involved. And uh, his brother-in-law, the DA's brother-in-law, knew days before Hank's attack, knew it was going to happen, did nothing. Oh. And then when it came to Hank's uh, murder case investigation, it got stalled. Stalled, stalled, over and over, stalled. And because he doesn't want it to come back to his brother-in-law. So, you know, I've tried to get him off of this case. So then how would people sign this petition? They just go to change.org and look up Hank Johnson? Yes, it's it's to remove John Pascal from Hank Johnson's murder case. And uh, yeah, it's in change.org. So please, 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 people, take a take a minute to do that. It doesn't take much effort, and um, you know, it, 
when there's this kind of nest of um, lack of, what's the word I'm looking for, credibility in your field or care or when there's, you know, conspiracies or any of that, if we don't do something about it, then it just continues and moves forward and eventually hits your family. So uh, Sandy's done an amazing job and will be, you know, by virtue of the life she's been stuck into, forced to continue to do an amazing job. But you can make a difference for the future of these anybody that these people touch by signing the petition. Generally, at this point, Sandy, I say goodbye, but instead I want you to stay with me for a second. I, at this point, I do the okay, 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 great guest giveaway. And I have a guest come on, and they have a product that they that they talk about, like a little mini infomercial, and that way we get informed and, and things uh, get given away and people get free stuff. Oh, okay. Um, that's usually what happens right now. But instead, um, I want to be my own guest in the Great Guest Giveaway because um, I'm going to try not to cry because I was so busy during this period that every time we said we were going to connect in some way, I wasn't very useful or helpful to you as a friend, and you were very helpful to me when I moved here. So I want to give you a care package as opposed to doing an infomercial, you know, and interviewing somebody that's trite with this. I would like to be the guest giving to you instead of giving to my audience. I'm going to be in um, Houston end of June. And I'm going to bring you everything I have product-wise. And if you'd like some neurofeedback for free, we'll spend a couple days. And we'll just really see if we can lift any leftover clouds of grief because neurofeedback is amazing for reducing stress and sort of changing your brain. Change.org, change your brain. (laughs) Um, And just (laughs) giving you a fresh. That's great. Well, I love you, and I'm sorry that we were both so our lives were such that they were crashing at the same time, and I and I want to do now what I couldn't do then, and maybe it's even better because now that this fresh start could really do a difference. But that's my gift to you. If you if it's okay and you want to do it, I'll see you the end of June. Yeah, that'll sound that'll be great. All that right. sounds wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on and. And being willing to share your very, very real story, Sandy. I, I really, really, really appreciate it. Will Dorp and everything get up and going again soon? Yes. Uh, we're, uh, or have, we're are you tired of it? We're, we're trying. Uh, we're, we're in the other end of it, in the music end, and uh, the writing books and things like that. Well, maybe the shows, you know, there'll be a big hole in them without Hank. Yeah. And the kids, we tried it, you know, with yeah. the kids missing so much. That, yeah, that's you okay. Know, and that's what it's all about. That's why I started this whole thing anyway, was for the kids. So if they're not having fun, then that's not what we're doing. <laughs> all right. Well, there's probably still books out there if they want to go to a library, at least locally. Um, okay, Sandy, I'm going to have to wrap it up with stories from the road. And so I'm not sure I can top your, you know, your bravery, but um, I'll give it a try. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm not kidding. I'm pretty sure I can't top this, but I can share it. So here we go. Stories from my past. Around the same
same time that I was um, first realizing that my son Dar, who I had just adopted, wasn't simply a feral child because he'd been locked in the closet for a couple of years, which was apparently true, but he, I thought he was, at first when I got him, I thought he might be a feral child, and that would mean he would get better faster, meaning a wild child, you know, the, the child who just never got taught. Um, right about the time that we were discovering that there was much more to it, that in fact, the mom had locked him in a closet, uh, and and not he became crazy because he was locked in a closet, but he was locked in a closet because he began to be different. Right at about nine months, it's a very common time for children to change into uh, if they're going to be affected by autism. And then, of course, being locked in the closet affected him. Certainly, he was malnourished, all kinds of things, but right about the time that I was discovering that we were looking at a lifelong disorder with this boy that I had just taken on, not just something I could fix really quickly, um, my brother was murdered. And he was beaten, a very similar story. He was beaten and he was thrown off the balcony and he lay in a coma. And when he died, we had a similar situation where it was hard to, to get anybody up in arms about this kid, and he was only 23. And, and, and I think that the problem was that we were so in grief that we couldn't fight for him. This is why Sandy is such a hero to me. We were, I was in so much grief that every time somebody tried to talk to me on the radio or, or anything, I just didn't make sense. I'm like, oh, he's so sad. And I got so full of anger. And that anger probably sat inside of me like a stone for a couple of years. A guy was charged and did go to jail, but he only went to jail for a couple of years. It was tough. It didn't make sense. And every time my brain flicked back to it, I would think for every breath he takes, that should be my brother's breath. Up until that point, I had never believed in the death penalty, but I was changing my mind. I lived in Canada at the time. I was adopting more kids. <laughs> I was busy. I was loving people. People often ask me why I adopted so many. Maybe it was to fill this hole. Um, they were also autistic, so I was really busy. But no, there was this part of me that couldn't breathe that was as suffocated and dead as my brother was because death doesn't go away. That's the first thing you realize when somebody dies is it just is unchangeable. Only thing, one of the only things it is. At one point, this boy or man, young man that murdered my brother killed himself. He was in a jail cell he'd been released from prison and got caught for something else went to jail and I guess he just had enough and he and he hung himself and I will confess to you right now that I finally could breathe my children were not a tragedy their autism was not a tragedy it was just something to work with and I thought this was an important show because I really want you to know that when you see something as a tragedy, you can't breathe. 
And when you can't breathe, you can't live. And when you can't live, you can't embrace. And when you can't embrace, you don't make a difference for your kids. I think that's what happened for Sandy when she finally got at least a modicum of justice. She could breathe a little. So Brandy could breathe a little. Her son is still dead. And so is my brother. But we can make this a part of our story. And we cannot confuse something that is just difficult and important to work with, like a medical issue. It's a true tragedy of death. My name is Lynette Louise. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm your story teacher host. And thank you for being with me. I don't want to be spinning here talking to myself. I'm spinning in circles and I'm talking to myself. Spinning in circles and I'm talking to myself. Spinning in circles and I'm talking to myself. I can't hear.